Podcast number four, we're back and picking up momentum. Now, if you're listening to us in a shop or garage or your driveway, I appreciate you spending a little time with us. And uh, we have uh, some cool things going on today. Now, before I get started, I wanted to see, I'm thinking about doing a Google Hangout. Now, I've just done uh, a bunch of research on it, and I think it might be pretty cool. So if that's something you guys are into, um, do a little research, and if you're not too sure of it, but basically we can talk through the internet. Um, and I can answer a lot of questions and I think it might be a lot of fun. So shoot me an email, Larry at AmoNYC.com with the subject line, uh, Google Hangouts, and we'll co- I'll collect all the names and see if we get enough interest and we can, uh, we can do that. So moving on, since the last uh, podcast, we've done a lot of things. Now, episode one of season two has aired and it's doing pretty well. It's got 90,000, I think, episodes or uh, views on it. And then on uh, the following day, I was on After Drive with Mike Spinelli. That's also doing really well. So you should definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. And this weekend, I went to the ALMS race at Lime Rock, which unfortunately is the last ALMS race um, to be ever raced, I guess, at Lime Rock um, because the, somebody bought somebody out and this kind of thing. But it was a lot of fun. I took my father-in-law. Great, great time. Episode two is coming out of Drive Clean in the next couple of days. And I also aired a uh, ride-along video, which is the show car tips where I did a car um, for the Greenwich Concourse. And we talked about all little tips and tricks on how to prepare your car before and during the car show. So it's kind of interesting on how to remove the dust and things like that without actually ripping off the layers of shine that I put on the car. And it's a little bit different than uh, normal because, uh, you know, the car was being judged. So take a look at that on the ride along, which is uh, com on YouTube. And finally, the uh, July 20th, 2013, we're throwing a big party up in Brookfield, Connecticut at the Porsche Museum. It's called the Auto Crib. And we're going to have a full day from 12 to 4. So uh, shoot me an email if you're interested. We're sending out invitations. We can only take about 100 people. We're going to go over all the, there's uh, pretty much every Porsche model um, this gentleman owns, and we're going to go over the history of all of them. It's going to be really uh, heavy into into Porsche, and then we're going to do some cleaning, and I'm going to do some demonstrations, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But moving on, today's podcast is going to be about understanding the pH scale and why is it relevant. And we're going to go into that even more in depth in future podcasts. But right now, I want to take small little bits of information because I'm somewhat handicapped. I'm talking to you via microphone, a podcast. I can't do it as I normally do on on YouTube. My hands are going up and down. I can explain things and draw things. So we're going to take smaller little bites of information and talk about um, the pH scale, which I think eludes a lot of detailers. And the more that you understand the chemistry of the products and the chemistry or the make uh, the makeup of the materials that you're cleaning, you can do things that address certain stains or not do something that may cause more problems. So there's little tricks. So we're starting very much on the on the bottom floor, the foundation, if you will. So this is podcast four. I'm sure on multiple, you know, more podcasts coming in the future, we'll get into the nitty gritty of things. But so we're just starting off pretty basic. Uh, and this later on, where of course we're going to talk to Mike Musto and see what he's up to. We have our season or his season opener coming out very, very soon. So I want to hear how it's going and how the edit is. And of course, what's new in his world of crazy muscle cars and, and his, and, uh, his crazy, whatever he's up to. So we're going to talk to him. So, uh, I have a very special guest in the studio with me today and she's smiling already. 
Um, it's my lovely wife. She has a PhD in chemistry from Columbia and is the head of the science department for a girls' school in Connecticut. So she is well-versed in chemistry. And of course, today we're talking about chemistry, the pH scale. Now, before we get uh, you know, chatting with her on the more scientific and the, the background, the history of where the pH scale came from and why it's relevant and how it works and things like that, I want you, want you to visualize on the wall or in your head or wherever you can visualize something, think of a scale going from 0 to 14. So 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 being the middle or, or neutral, if you will, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to 14. Now, if you have that in your head, all the way to the 0 is the acidic side right? And all the way to 14. So in my mind, it's to the right, all the way to the right is alkaline or base. So all the way to the left, zero is going to be acidic all the way to the right is going to be alkaline or base. That's kind of really, really, really broad. But I kind of have that visual in your head as we're discussing a lot of this stuff. So in the middle, dead center is going to be seven. And think of that as water. Water is pH balanced or neutral or whatever you want to say. So I'm just, we're going to keep nipping at this a little bit because it's kind of, you know, chemistry. It's, it's, it's a lot of information. So we're going to go nice and slow. So I'm going to introduce my lovely wife and we're going to talk about a little bit of the history of uh, the pH scale, where it came from, why was it important at the time and how it's going to get us closer to cleaning and, and protecting our cars in a certain way. So I'm going to move the microphone over and bring my lovely wife in. Say hi, Victoria. Hello. All right. So um, talk to me a little bit about the history of where the pH scale came from, from a more of a professional background than me, the car washer. You're the, the doctor of science. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, um, the pH scale was actually developed by a Danish chemist named Soren Sorensen. I actually don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he worked for the Carlsberg Group, which actually is a brewer and beer distiller. And so he developed the pH scale to help out with that particular process. And what the pH scale really does is tell you a measurement of the concentration of hydrogen ions in a solution. So a hydrogen ion, sometimes people call it H+, is just a particular chemical substance that has some important qualities. So on the pH scale on the left-hand side at zero, which is acidic, this is where the H plus concentration is very, very high. And on the opposite side of the pH scale, 14, this is where the hydrogen ion or H plus concentration is quite low, and those substances are considered basic. And um, that's important because when substances have high H plus concentration, they react in a, with other substances in a particular way. And when substances have low H plus concentration, they react in a different way. And so that has applications when it comes to pharmaceuticals, to cosmetics and also to cleaning products. You want to know how the substance or cleaning agent that you're using is going to react with whatever it is that you're trying to clean. So how about all that fun stuff right there? So basically, the more and more I, you know, we talk about the cleaning products, think of wheel cleaners have a tendency to be more acidic, right? And then all-purpose cleaners 
have uh, more of a tendency to be uh, basic or alkaline. Now, you were saying before, Victoria, that the something that's basic has a little bit more slime to it, like in, if you can feel it in your fingers. Explain a little bit of that. Well, generally, people would say that substances that are basic or solutions that are basic have a slippery feeling to them. And um, these tend to be able to, to dissolve substances like greases and oils. And so that's going to dictate what kinds of cleaning agents you're going to want to be basic. And then on the other hand, acidic substances um, don't have that slippery, slippery feeling, but they do have um, a sour taste to them. Not that you would taste it, but that's one of their characteristic qualities. Um, acidic substances are generally used to clean mineral deposits and things that are not necessarily very water-soluble. Acidic substances will actually undergo a chemical reaction with those mineral deposits and change them into a different chemical substance that's easier to wash away. So in theory, if we use something that's slightly more acidic for something like, let's say, carpets, you would agree that maybe, uh, you know, the dirt's, you know, walking around, you got dirt on your feet and things like that in the carpets or the floor. So something like an acidic product may work on that minerals. Is that a fair statement? Exactly, because dirt is made up primarily of a variety of minerals. There are organic substances as well, but the majority of the, of dirt is made up of minerals that an acidic cleaner would be appropriate for. Now, on the other hand, something like body oils. Like right now, it's 100 degrees here in New York because it's summertime and it's really hot and sticky. So I'm sitting in my nice leather seat and I'm sweating all over the place. And, I, you know, there's all kinds of dirt, meaning you, uh, you have your food, you have your oils, you have all that sort of organic things. So if I wanted to sort of make a product or build something that was good at removing that kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say dirt, but that kind of soils from that material, you would agree that uh, something that's more basic might be a better cleaner than, let's say, an acidic cleaner. Is that fair? Right. A basic or alkaline cleaner is what's going to be able to dissolve um, oils and greases that would come from basically skin being on leather. Yeah, so that that is a, a very broad um, process of, uh, you know, the the 10th level view up of, of what's going on with the pH scale. Now we can dive deeper and deeper, but I wanted Victoria to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the real science behind, behind it, but we need to kind of shift our focus on what we can use to clean particular stains. And it's figuring out, Hey, is the stain organic or is it non-organic? So for example, if you wanted to clean a watermark on a car, either on the glass or on paint, Generally speaking, I like to use products that are more acidic. Why? Because uh, the acidic part is going to attack the non-organic stain, which is a calcium deposit or some sort of mineral, especially here in New York when you have, you know, you're parked in a parking garage and somebody, you know, the, the ceiling drips that calcium on your car and it just kind of burns right through. You can't just wipe it away. You have to use something that attacks that in particular. So that's where the pH scale sort of comes in. It's not just you know, sort of willy nilly, you have to figure out, Hey, what's the stain? What is it? What, you know, what is it made of? What is it, you know, what is it built on? And how do I have something to actually attack that properly without ruining everything else around it? So in that example, that would be, uh, 
you know, a, a watermark or a stain. And likewise, if I had, let's say I had crazy tar or something stuck to the side of it, am I going to use a, an acidic product to remove it? No, I'm going to use a basic or an alkaline product or an all-purpose cleaner, if you will, or a solvent. Um, and that's more on, this, on the higher scale. So that's more 7 to 14. So understanding a little bit about this is important. I don't want to, I feel like I'm already saying too much because, you know, sitting here listening to it and not really seeing any graphs or charts uh, might be a bit overwhelming. But um, for now, take away the fact that if you're really into car detailing and specifically the interiors, um, I think it's important that maybe you do some Google searching and look around and understand the scale on a very basic level, no pun intended, from 0 to 14, 7 being neutral, and understand that the left side, being 0, is going to be acidic, and the right side is going to be alkaline, or alkaline and base are the same. Uh, you know, they mean the same thing. So sort of seeing where that where that scale goes is important. So let me give you a couple of examples. Stomach, stomach acid is 1 on the pH scale. What does that mean? It's more acidic. Let me give you something else. Ammonia. Where is that? That's 11.5 on the pH scale. That's going to be more basic. So what about, what about some things that are more relevant to, to you know, detailing? So unfortunately, and certainly over my career, I've dealt with a lot of urine. <laughs> urine is going to be 6. So if 7 is neutral, 6 is going to be less than 7, obviously. So it's going to be slightly more acidic. I think that makes sense. Urine is a little bit acidic. What about blood? Blood is slightly base, but basically it's pH balanced. So it's 7.4. It's right around there. Like I said before, water is going to be seven. And now we'll just use random examples. Bleach, where would that be? That's going to be way basic. And then wheel cleaner, for example, where's that going to be? Most are going to be very acidic, the common ones, but you also have ones that are pH balanced, like the ones that, you know, we've sort of, uh, you know, figured out how to make those proper. So there is a bit of push and pull, and I've said that in multiple videos and multiple episodes on podcasts. There's ways to, just like when you're sitting in front of a, a DJ booth, if you will, and there's lots of levers where you can push and pull and play and manipulate things. You can sort of do that uh, when you're creating um, chemicals to, to specifically clean certain areas. So for now, let's just focus on acidic versus basic and think about the pH scale and where your stain is on that scale and what are you, you going to need to actually use to clean that properly. So that's that's a very, very, very broad view of uh, some of the things you need to think about before you hop in and work on interiors. But the main reason we're talking about this today is I just overall, I want you to think about the products that you have in your hand and you're using to clean either the interior or the, the exterior. It doesn't need to be a stain. Are you just washing away dirt? Are you trying to clean tar? Are you washing, le are you cleaning leather? Are you scrubbing carpet? So you know, we'll get into the, when there's, when there's this stain, use this product when there's, we'll talk more about that. But again, there's so much topics and so, so much material to, to discuss that I, it's important. It's more important for me to have somebody come away from these podcasts and say, all right, I get it. And I see that he's trying to, you know, get us to think about certain things in a certain way. Um, and, and like I said, it's not, I'm just not fire hosing all this information at you. Um, just, I don't, I just, I, I, it's hard for me to even understand all this stuff and I've been doing it forever. So, um, anyways, 
have that in your mind every time you use a product like, hmm, what's the pH and what am I actually using this for? I don't mindlessly use things and, you know, think about sort of really get into that, um, you know, deeply into that aspect of detailing and why um, so much thought, at least I believe so much thought should go into what you're using and how it's working and why it's working and, you know, all that. And especially if you're a business person, you want to have that knowledge to talk to your clients and they're going to say like, whoa, geez, I never even realized, you know, uh, the difference between a stain on the carpets versus a stain on the leather versus washing the exterior and the pH levels. And, hey, I'm not going to use the same product to remove tar as I'm going to, you know, use something else, uh, you know, remove something else like, you know, dirt or whatever. So that is a, that's a lot of information to uh, to relate. Anyways, we'll move on. I want to thank my wife for coming on. The reason why I had her come on is she was kicking and screaming the entire time. And I thought uh, uh, I thought that might be um, something fun for her, for her to try, but she's super smart and I really appreciate it. And she is, um, like way, way, way beyond anything I'll ever know in chemistry, but it's pretty cool to, I'm pretty lucky to be able to ask her specific questions we just went on, you know, a walk around town and I love asking her, you know, very random or questions about pH levels. And what do you think about this? And how about if I change this to this? And it's kind of neat to, uh, to have a partner where you can kind of bounce those things off. So I'm very lucky. Anyways, um, think about that stuff. Let's get off this heavy topic of pH levels. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about use this product to clean that, to clean that. But I'm really going out of my way not to talk about that because I think people are going to lose sight of the behind the scenes things. And it's more important to go slow than to just say, use XYZ product to clean ABC stain. And we're not going to do that now. So let's move on to some funner, I love my word, funner, uh, things. We're going to talk to Mike Musto, AKA Big Muscle, my, one of my closest friends. And we're going to chat about his season premiere and what's going on in his world. So let's patch him in. All right. Well, we're talking with Mike Musto. I finally got a hold of him. I know he's running all over the place, shooting his episodes. Mike, are you, uh, alive and well? I am dude. Everything's going really, really well, actually busy as hell, but it's going cool. That's great. How's, uh, how's the season going? I think, what is it? Tuesday you're airing? No, we actually air tomorrow, uh, July 8th, and I think we go up at about 11 or 12 o'clock Eastern time. Oh, nice. So what I'm going to do, I'm actually talk, thinking on the fly here. My episodes usually air on Tuesday, so either I'll air this on this actual podcast on Tuesday or Monday because your show will have come out before this podcast actually comes on. So maybe we'll do a little musto special and uh, get people to... I- I think we should do a musto special. Yeah, musto special. <laughs> that, that's just my own personal. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> we got to use that name, the musto. It sounds like a sandwich. <laughs> can I have the musto uh, special, please, with extra yeah. mayo? That's it. All right, so I'll uh, if I can get this edited and not fall asleep uh, before this is all said and done and get it uploaded, I'll, uh, I'll have it on Monday. Anyways, tell me about uh, your season. What season are you in, three or four? No, this is season three for us. Season three. What, what are you doing for the first episode? Yeah, season three, you know, it's interesting. We've had, we get so many, so many submissions of cars, and we've got an unbelievable lineup for this year, um, or for this this first half of the year. But um, the episode that's going up tomorrow is a 1967 Mustang Fastback. And it's one of those cars where it's not, you know, people are going to look at it, and it, it's going to be interesting, and I'm kind of curious to see what they think, because it's a, it's a drag car. It's basically the car was built, in 67 and the only reason this car exists was to be a street racer okay Mm. um it's it's got like seafoam green paint bone stock interior eight point cage 
but it's got is it a sleeper or no not 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 really i mean it's got these five slot fenton wheels these really cool old fenton wheels like the old style drag wheels yeah um it's got skinnies on the front and big fat drag slicks on the back and the paint is chipped here and there they're dents in it but it's just one of those cars where if it pulled up next to you, you would look at it and go, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, it, sound, it sounds <laughs> you know like I mean? it's going to eat you alive kind of thing. Like, you know it's got a motor in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no question. Like, if this car comes up next to you, just don't, don't, just. You look the other way and be like, hmm, look, oh, look at that. There's a Wendy's over there. Yeah, <laughs> man, because, I mean, it's, it's one of those cool old cars that it's, it's just a great car. And one of the things that I think makes it so great is that the, the, this guy, his name is Greg Smith. He's resisted the the kind of the urge to change it over the years. The car has been exactly the same as it was in '67 until now. Um, so did he buy it new or? No, he didn't buy it new. He he knew of the car, and the car is actually pretty well known um, down in Los Angeles County and in Orange County for street racing and for drag racing. And he purchased it. I think he got it about nine or ten years ago. And but he knew about the car, and that's the whole thing. He had followed the car when he was younger. He knew about it. He knew the history, and he actually bought the car from a good friend of his. Um, and you know, the car—it's got like a three ninety-six stroker in it. It's just—it's just a cool, cool old car. You know what I mean? Like you would love it. I mean, from from your days drag racing Mustangs, you would look at this thing and be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, this has got Larry Cazil's name all over this thing." Yeah, you know? I love having the story. That I think that's the coolest part. Where I'm sure this car. You know, forget about the parts and how much they cost or whatever. The story and the the history is so much more valuable than the pieces combined, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like I can almost smell the history of this thing, and I, I love well, stories it, like that. It does, and I mean that's one of the reasons that we found this thing. Um, you know, like I think a lot of people, if they were to see it at a car show, would just walk by it. But when you start to look at this car and you see the dent, dare I say the word fucking patina, um, <laughs> but – you look at this thing and you see the dents and you see like you can see where the, there, there used to be drag race stickers like on up and down the quarter panels because the paint is, is kind of a little nicer where the stickers were. Um, it's a really good, old, honest drag car. And I think that so many people today are in the in the mode of, of constantly changing stuff and, and, and shifting stuff around, whereas Greg just he, he found a formula for this car that worked. And he didn't want to erase the car's history, which I love the most. He kept the car. So, you know, and he, he tells us, you know, when, when we're at car shows with this thing or we go driving it or we street race it or whatnot, there are older guys that'll be like, is that the same Mustang that was like at Pomona in 76 or something like that, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. Did he, Was he on camera? Did he want to be on camera or no? Oh, yeah, no, he was on camera. He's great. He's great. I and mean, he's, you know, he, he loves the cars for what they are. And for instance, his... He has a, a 55 Chevy that sits in his garage that was originally purchased by his grandmother. And that's one of those cars he's like, I'll never get rid of that car. He's like, I'll change it a little bit here and there, but I'll never get rid of it. So for him, the nostalgia is just as much a piece of the car as the car itself. Whereas, you know, other guys will buy a car and shred it and make it their own. He was like, no, no, no. He goes, this car is too important. It's got too much history for me to change it, which I really, I got to admire that. That's so cool. That sounds like a really, uh, really good episode. What can you give us a preview of? What are you doing? Thirteen episodes, or are you doing more? Sixteen? No, we've got twelve episodes for this quarter, and then twelve episodes for fourth quarter. So we've got twenty-four episodes for this year. Holy jeez! Yeah, dude, we we got a lot of episodes, and we've got some amazing, amazing cars. I mean, we've got the drag Mustang is this week. Next week is going to be this insane 
I don't even know how to say it. It's a it's a 1931 rat rod with a, a straight six cylinder engine out of an old tractor. Okay, mm-hmm. to give you an idea, right? So we like the you think about the 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 charger, right? It's 440 cubic inches. This is 1,030 cubic inches. <laughs> okay, so the cylinders are like the size of coke bottles. It makes 1,640 pound feet of torque, and is one of those things. that's like it's got a top speed of 60, but it'll do 60 pulling your house. You know what I mean? Jeez, does it do dude. a wheelie? I mean, that's got to be a crazy no, amount of torque. Dude, it's, it's it's so low end, and it's just it was one of the the craziest things I think we've ever driven. Um, the owner, it wasn't even made. It wasn't even built to be an actual car. It was actually made on Monster Garage. Okay, the but sh- it was what is that a show? The, yeah, remember Jesse James old yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that's what you meant, but yeah. it, that was actually built on the show. It, yeah, according to the owner, it had some some kind of um, relationship with the show. But the car was never meant to be a runner. The car was meant to be a whole you know conglomerate of parts just kind of thrown together to make it look cool. You know the whole TV bullshit thing. Mm. And you know this guy, he he took it and he was like, you know what, I can make this thing run. I, I can make this thing a driver, and and he did it. And the thing about it is. It's not only a good driver, but it's it will steal the showroom anywhere it goes. We actually took this thing and we drove it down. Um, what's the crazy road down in, um, in in Los Angeles? Rodeo Drive. Okay. And oh my gosh, one, that must have... one of the shop owners at Rodeo Drives has a, a black and yellow Veyron that he always parks out in front of his shop. And we the, pulled up with this. The thing. shop owner has the Veyron. Yeah, this is like super pimp shop. You oh, know what I mean? Boy. Okay. And he literally parks it. He used to have a, a Phantom, a black and yellow Phantom that he parked out in front of the shop. And now he's got this Veyron. And we pulled up next to it in the rat rod, and people just went bananas. Because, you know, the thing, it's got, it's got full-size truck tires on it. And it's on airbags, so it can go up and down and all this other stuff. And it was just, it was insane. It was, it was just insane. Um, Those are two so, opposites, Rodeo Drive oh, and a dude, rat rod. Oh, my gosh. It couldn't. Then we had this homeless guy chase us down from a block away. He comes running up to the car. The guy was wearing a cape. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, the car just attracts, like, the, the craziest people, both good and bad. Um, That's but, yeah, funny. so we've got that. We've got – What was the what was the episode where you're – you know, the preview that they did on the Drive channel? What Which one was the one where you were, like, laughing like crazy? Because I started la- – when you start laughing on camera, I start laughing, like, when I'm watching it. It's <laughs> that just... was the Mustang. Oh, oh, that was? Mustang, the episode that we're going to shoot tomorrow. Oh, wow. All right. That's really cool. Yeah, and that car, you know what it was, dude? It was just a good car. You know, and it, it's hard because, you know, and you know this, man. You, you know, you, you step in front of a camera, and a lot of the time, you're, you don't run out of things to say. It's not the case. But there are only so many verbs that you can throw out about how a car is and what it's like. That's so, so true. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you know, I've been a writer now for I don't know how many years and written over 3,000 articles. So, how many times can you talk about a car, right? They all have four wheels. They all have engines. They all do this, that, and the other thing. And I think a lot of times you can't say anything. You just – you either laugh or you cry or you you, you just – you know, you, your emotions come out about the car. And that's what happened with the Mustang because it was just – it was just so much fun. It was just so much fun. And so what do you do? You laugh because that's what it makes you do, right? No, that, that, was, that was the perfect – you know, people – I've told you before, people are like, oh, you know, Musto and Farah and all those, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know them. Well, and then, the, you know, I, I say the perfect example of Musto is go see him, you know, on that particular video. I just, it, 
whatever. It encapsulates you perfectly when you're because I've been in the car with you a thousand I know. times. I, know. I think I even have a video <laughs> somewhere in our archives. I'm just thinking about this. Now. Yeah, the Ferrari. We took. Yeah. Uh, well, that was when the Scud, the Scuderia, just first came out. Yeah. I was like, Mike, you got to come to my house. I got yeah, a Scuderia. That was, that was a <laughs> yeah, we were giggling that entire. That was fun. Yeah. All right, yeah. So your episodes are uh, are coming out um, tomorrow, and then they run. What is it? You do twelve episodes. Then was there like a break, and then you start again twelve? Yeah, twelve episodes, and I think we take a two month break, and then we come back again, or a three month break, and then we come back. Um, but what's great about it is, and if, you know anybody who's listening to this thing, um, send me. I'm totally going to pimp out my email right now, but send me an email at drivebigmuscle at gmail.com because what's happening is we're getting so many, so many submissions and it's hard because, you know, we're, we're constrained by, by budgets, right? So I can't, if somebody sends me a great car, you mean you, mean you don't make like a billion dollars shooting these well, episodes, dude, Are that's you, the other thing. The, you know, I mean, we can talk two hours that, about that. Oh, people think we get emails and they're like, why don't you just come to my house? It's in like, <laughs> you know, Idaho. And I'm like, no, I'm not coming to Idaho. Not that I don't want to come to Idaho. It's just how do you don't, don't how do you get the there on peanuts? Yeah. yeah, and you know, and everybody thinks that you guys. I mean, everybody thinks we make money at this, and you make like, let's put it this way: if you do this, like for Larry and myself and Farrah and Harris, if you guys think this is the only job we have, you are out of your minds because everybody who does drive, no joke, works at least three or four different jobs. No doubt about that. And that's not a lie. That's that's one hundred percent true. I know. I was reading, you know, my first episode goes up. You know how sensitive you get because you put your heart and soul into it, into the videos, and there's so much back and forth. And you know how much, you know, crap we do for ours and the edits yeah. and the voiceovers and the and the color correction and blah, 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 just all right. day long stuff. Um, and then some of the – I, I, wish, I wish this wasn't a podcast right now because I want to show a video. Remember the video of – of Spinelli, of Spinelli responding to one of the comments. Oh, my God, reading out one of the comments. Oh, it was hysterical. But basically, the long and short of it is this. So for my first episode, the PPI, um, I'm sure a lot of the people listening already probably read the comments and laughed. But we talk about the PPI. Now, you guys, most of everybody knows what I'm doing if they're listening to this. I work on these crazy cars, and they're really expensive and whatever. It's great. But to have someone like me come in they and they want to buy a car, I'm going to go through like 8 million steps to right. figure out. Because what are we talking about? Anything... You know, I'm trying to make it seem like, you know, a hundred thousand dollar car and up or whatever, man. Even if a car's twenty thousand dollars, I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna willingly jump off a cliff on a car. I'm gonna do all the steps and no. And but the other thing is, dude, people have to understand something, right? Because there are a bunch of comments on that episode where people are like, oh, "I'm not doing that. If I was the owner, I wouldn't let him do that." Well, idiots out there, you what you have to understand is, it's not like you're buying a '92 Honda Civic, okay? No. You're buying a, a Porsche. These are not like crappy cars. Not that a Civic is, but what I'm saying is when you're buying a car of this caliber, you need to get it checked out. You need to the get all The parts are really out. expensive. I at least want to know. Like, here, Here's what it boils down to, and this is what gets my, my dander up like crazy or whatever. It's like who can argue that having less knowledge is better? Like, how how do you argue, go ahead argue that? That's what I wanted to say Dude, to the commenter. You know what though? Like, it's the internet. You and I both know this. People will argue till they're blue in the uh, face about the most inept points, and, and for no reason. So, you know, oh, and it, I shouldn't it, say that because you know what? Ninety nine percent of the comments are like, "Dude, this is awesome." You know, the worst comment would be in the good ones would be like, "I don't know if I'd ever go through this, but at least I know I'll hire somebody to do it or whatever." Well, I mean, you know what's nice it's about fun. this is is and and I think what people have to do is understand how you quantify it, right? You're going to do the PPI. 
It took one day, bro. PPI. One. It right? took one afternoon, and then maybe a full day of me like sitting. Well, they showed, you know, we we videoed me at the office or whatever. But, you know, I was sitting in bed and I'm Google searching. And I'm, right. It's because I love the car and I'm trying to figure. Sure. So it's like basically figure out all the stuff on your own time and then look at the car and decide, hey, is this car even worth me spending money on with a paid mechanic? And then right. pay a mechanic three or four hundred bucks. Like, come on. But, well, that's the whole thing. Now, you know, if it's a lousy car, right, if it's a car that costs five grand, no, you're not really going to do a PPI on it because it's not really worth it, okay? You're going to spend 400 bucks, and that's, in, you know, an eighth of the price or whatever the case is. But on a car that's a lot of money, to spend $400 to potentially save you thousands is just common sense as far as I'm oh concerned. Oh, my gosh. There's the other a no-brainer, no-brainer. Well, the other thing is the owner now knows exactly what's wrong with his car. Well, right. that that was the case with my guy, and the funny thing is when I'm reading. So I, I sorry, we got off on this tangent. You can see how yeah. like it gets me so crazy because yeah. I pour my heart into these episodes. But um, they said this isn't possible, and I was like, well, well, yeah, yeah, it is because I just did it. Like I just right. found it. I, w- I was just like, oh my god, I found. I've been looking on on the internet. The second thing is when you're doing this, I said, hey. If this doesn't work out, I really appreciate you, you driving. Mind you, this guy was close. It wasn't like I had a car from California or something. Right. Obviously, that would be stupid. But this guy was in Long Island. I live in Westchester. No problem. 30-minute drive mm-hmm. on a you know weekend or whatever. I can't remember what day it was. But sure. um, And I said, hey, if it doesn't work out, I apologize. I'm not here to waste your time. But I'll give you the PPI, which, oh, by the by, I did it's give to him. Bucks. Yeah, right. and I gave it to him. So he knew what was up on the car and how to – Whatever, you know, he can do with it whatever he wanted to do with it. But, you know, he, he had the PPI if, if I didn't buy the car or whatever. So exactly. I don't know. I just – anyways, that that was – I don't know where we're going with that. It just got me a little bit. Well, you know what? I, I think it goes back to a lot of stuff, right? It goes back to one um, – people just simply don't what it takes to make these episodes, which is fine. They're not supposed to. They're just supposed to sit back and enjoy it. But when commenters just throw out stuff – and there's no basis behind the comment, and there's no kind of thought behind it. It's just I'm just going to type something idiotic to hear myself type. Mm. Hey, come on, guys, you, you guys are better than that. I mean, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's a big tangent. We talked about it all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so what else is going on? Anything new in the car world on on your end, or what's the deal? What's going on? What with the car world? What what are you are you testing anything? Are you writing anything? Are you doing anything exciting? Your car? Anything? No, you know what? It's interesting. The Charger. I actually drove the Charger. I drove it all week, actually. Um, you know, you, you go through spells where it'll sit in the garage for a month, and you just like, ah, eh, it's okay. And then this weekend, for some reason, I was like, I want to drive this thing. And I drove it all day Friday, all day Saturday. Um, you know, and then I, you know, I have the Mustang too. I, I was at Laguna Seca a couple of days last week with that thing, racing that. Um, so just everything is good, but the problem is now. I keep I keep looking at stuff, which is such a bad habit. Like we're talking, it's, right it's now. an expensive habit. Yeah, well, and it sounds like you're. What are you Google searching while we're talking? I, I'm totally doing that. I'm, yeah, on, I'm on Craigslist right now, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm I have I want to get a car, and I know exactly what I want, and I know it's a dumb purchase. What is it? What is it? It is a 19, and everybody out there is gonna laugh at me because everybody's gonna fucking hate it, but I don't care. It's <laughs> it's a 19 between a 1969 and a 1972 C body. Okay, now a C body oh boy. is is a Dodge, Plymouth, or a Chrysler. And if you look up, say, a sports a 1970 Sport Fury, okay, or a 1971 Newport, they are the longest coupes ever produced in 
history for an American car. Okay, and the Daytona is 19 feet long. This thing is 19.6. I mean, they're they're obscenely huge. Okay, make sure you don't get a PPI on that, by the way. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and they're just these big, huge. They look like a like a few. They call it a fuselage type body style. And I don't know why that I'm in love with these dumb things, but I am. And they're not that expensive. And I'm like, yeah, I could totally drive this. And then my poor wife is just like, you can, but why would you, you know? And it's, but it's, it's hard to justify what you like. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, if I, if I ever sell the battle wagon, right, that we shoot in and like, I'm, this is so dumb. I'll give you an example. I'm looking at a 1973 Chrysler Town & Country Station wagon. <laughs> that is dumb. <laughs> okay? I mean, it, it, it's 440, 727, power seats. Your, your, your grandmother wouldn't drive this car. You are it's, big muscle, though. You know, it fits. Well, you know what, dude? Four, you know, it's 375 horsepower, 480 pound-feet of torque. It's some action there. And I want it. And I don't. I don't even know I, what to say. And I don't know why, dude. I don't know why. It's like, it's like a sickness. And the problem is, I never want to sell anything. You know what I mean? It's like you get them and you're like, yeah, I'll keep it for six months and then I'll sell it. And I never do. And it's just bad because I don't have any place to put it. And I don't know. So it, right it, now you have the Battle Wagon, you have the Mustang, you have the Charger, and you have the Daytona. Yeah. And that's and, and, three cars too many. Yeah, I was gonna say, and you have like basically an oversized one side, one car garage. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I've got two cars in the garage, very very snugly. And about I'm the only one that can fit in between yeah, the two of them. Much. Yeah, it's like if you're heavier than a piece of paper, you're not getting through. Yeah. So. All right. Anyways, I appreciate you coming on and chatting a little bit, breaking up the monotony. We were talking about. Oh, you'll be excited. We were talking about pH levels. Not you won't be excited about that. But I had that's that's exactly what I love. No, nah, we had we had Doctor Victoria on speaking about uh, pH level. Awesome. Yeah, I know she was squirming in her chair. She's like, "I'm going to kill you right now." Why? Why? Like, I, she's I, the only one that's smarter than well, she's smarter than everybody. Yeah, so well, it's like, comparing her to two, you and I is not a good example. Thank you no, very much. That's, no, no. But yeah, it's like you're you're coming on the podcast, and so she did she did all right. She was nervous, and I was like, just talk. This is what I you don't do. Know why anybody be nervous? All you're doing is talking to a comp- you're talking into a computer. And oh, by the way, there's a little button I have right here underneath my mouse. If I click it, it stops everything, so I can say whatever and be like, oh, I didn't like that, yeah. um, and then whatever. But so she was awesome, and it was it was fun. But pH levels, man. It's all about pH levels. <laughs> it's all about ball bearings. It's all yeah. ball bearings. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for coming on, killing the, uh, killing some time, and um, you know I like to break it up a little bit because you know after 20 minutes of talking about pH levels, even my brain's like, oh my god, I need to talk to somebody with human being here. Yeah, dude, and we we also have to talk later on about one lap and a whole bunch of other events that we're going to do next year. Oh yeah, we got to sticker up the musto musto mobile for what are you doing? Um, what's the one? Silver State. In Silver State. state. And a half, yeah. yeah in, yes. Um, August. Where you so. go like. 380 miles an hour in a straight line to the moon or something right yeah it's 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 the silver silver state open road classic and they they close down 90 miles of nevada state highway and you're basically in classes so you can do like the the 110 class the 150 class the 170 and the unlimited um and it's you know i think i'm gonna run on the 110 class where my average speed over that time has to be 110 miles an hour but it's I, my top speed, I, I am not allowed to break 140 miles an hour, or I'm disqualified. So, so the goal is 110 over the goal 90 is to miles. Get as close to an average of 110 over the entire course as you can. Can you use computers or anything? Oh yeah, dude, you can. And let me tell you something: people in this event, 
they're separated winners and losers by by tenths of a second. That's how close they get. People and, spend like a lot of time figuring this out. I'm just showing up and I'm be like, all right, let's go 110. You know what I mean? So you're gonna be like looking at the speedo and just be like, I'll hold it as close to 110 as possible or yeah, whatever. I'm just gonna set the cruise control. But they have cars with like, you know, oh, yeah. Blackbird kind of like uh, acquisition systems that are really these guys are into it. I'm going because it's one of those bucket list things that I've always wanted to do, and. I, I, and everybody said it's a great time. So I'm like, well, screw it. I'm going to do it. Why, why wouldn't you do it? And it's basically dead straight. So, I mean, I know this is going to sound obnoxious, but 110 dead straight is not like earth shattering speed. No, no. Like my, like I said, my, my top speed can be 140. That's, okay? we, that's moving. Which is booking. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of, there's a, a section through the course called the S's, which I think is four or five miles long that you, you have to slow down. I mean, which means you'll be doing well under. I would assume 100 miles an hour. I'm assuming between, say, 60 and, and 80 miles an hour. So you need to be able to run up to that 140-mile-an-hour trap speed to to maintain your average. Is this going to be televised? I'm No, this. I don't think they televise it. It's just it's one of those it's one of those things, dude. It's like the automotive bucket list, right? And, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. And this was just one that I, I've, I've never really had a car to do it in. Um, you know, the Charger and the Daytona, can I run those? yes. But God forbid something happens to those cars. I just don't. I don't. I don't want anything to happen to those cars. Um, but the Mustang, it's like it's a perfect car for that. No, all day, 110 you know, miles an hour. Reason, that thing is fine. The only reason for that car is to make a race car, so that's fine. All right. Yeah. So here's here's the deal. We're gonna podcast while you're in the car doing 110. Does that work? Oh, that's fine. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, really? You're like, no, no, we're not gonna do that. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Go do what you got to do. It is 150 degrees here in New York, so I got to go take a shower and go do uh, anything other than sitting in my upstairs right now. Yeah. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. All right, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Anytime. As always, Mike is the man. It's fun to talk to him. Now, if you've noticed, this podcast has come out after his episode uh, aired. So, it is what it is, and he is kicking butt. So definitely go back if you haven't seen it already and check out the Big Muscle uh, season debut, which is going to be, uh, which is doing really well, and uh, it's it's awesome. You should check it out. So let's switch gears and get into some questions. And I'm not sure if I've answered these already, or maybe I just answered them a thousand times via email. So uh, we have two questions that I think are pretty cool. The first one is um, talking about clay. Now I'm pretty sure we've done a podcast or videos or something I sort of blurring together at this point, but I'm going to go through it anyways, because it's super important. Clay is one of the, um, one of the most influential, important tools, uh, in the detailing world. And, uh, the question specifically was, you know, how often should I clay my car? And I think it's a great question. Um, but once you understand the answer, um, I guess that, that question dictates to me that, um, some more, some more information is needed um, for this for this uh, young man here. Um, so essentially, how often do you need to clay? Now, my answer to people when I'm doing you know shows or, or what have you, and you know I'm trying to be a little bit um, thought provoking, would be you can clay your car every single day, or you can clay your car never. Does that make sense? So they go like, oh, okay, so you can do it every day or not. I, I get it. But if you think about it, really, claying your car is only in response to something coming on your paint or contamination uh, getting stuck in your paint. 
So, you know, people think that it's actually polishing the paint. You're, you're not. You're not doing that. You're only removing things that have stuck to the surface of your paint. And in theory, you wash your car, and you guys know my trick of uh, when you're doing the entire car, a full-body clay, you soak. Save your money. This just makes sense. If you're doing spot location, you spray wax with it because you're not going to wash down the whole car just for one little spot. So, you know, they come out with this thing called clay lube, which is an amazing way to, um, uh, you know, I think make a bunch of money uh, as a manufacturer. So it's cool and it's great. And now the argument here, I'm going down a, a weird rabbit hole, but you guys know the way my brain works. The argument here is they'll say, hey, if you use car soap with your clay, it degrades the clay. Well, first, my first question is, wow, if you're using soap that degrades clay, you may want to think twice about the soap that you're using. But assuming that, that I'm completely insane and I don't know what I'm talking about, the second reason why that I sort of justify using my soap because it doesn't eat it away is when I'm done with the clay, it's not like I leave the clay sitting in the soap. You don't want to leave clay sitting in anything. So what I do is when I'm done, I just clean it off with, with clean water, H2O, um, if you if you want to get into pH pH balanced water, not water is pH balanced. It's a joke, but you rub you know you clean it off with soap with you clean it off with water, and put it back in your container, your bag, or what have you, and it's fine. So going back into the, answering the guy's question, you clay the car when it needs it and no more. So if you wash it at 10 a.m. on a Saturday and you park it once it's dry and it's beautiful and it looks amazing and you park it underneath the tree at 10.30, by 11 a.m. on Saturday, you may need to clay it again because you parked underneath a tree that happens to be spitting out, you know, sap or whatever. Or if you're a guy that never takes the car out or it's in the bubble or a guy who takes the car out all the time and never, ever seems to run into any sap or, you know, industrial fallout or just, you know, kinds of crap from the sky or whatever in this theory, which is not really likely, you, in theory, never have to clay your paint. So, the the overall answer is no. You don't have to clay your paint. You you should pay your clay your paint when it's necessary. So to answer your question, I have no idea when you should clay your paint. But for you to find out is to you know lightly put your hand over it or the baggy trick or what I do is I just wear my black gloves and my black gloves can tell if there's clay on it in two seconds. It's the same idea as putting your hand in a bag. It just emphasizes the tactile function or you know attributes of your fingertips so uh i hope that helps a little bit i'm not trying to be funny i'm trying to provoke your thoughts a little bit and say oh okay you know i get what larry's saying he's he's making me think that it's just not this mindless thing like every time i wash my car i'm going to clay and pile it's not like that it's what the car needs you're going to do what it needs and absolutely no more because after every single time you touch it it becomes less and less and less. My, you know, it's very microscopic and minute, but I'd be hard-pressed to uh, have anyone argue the fact that every time you're you know, wiping or touching or claying or polishing or whatever, you're not removing something. So that's why my whole theory, my whole idea of regimens is to build up, build up, build up. And you know, things like hydrate as when you're wiping it down and you're drying the car and removing the water – I lubricated it, but at the same time, I've also added a few things that put a light layer back on equivalent to what you've removed during the wash. How about that? Does that blow, you know, how about that for a tongue twister or a mind bender? So that's kind of the behind the scenes of why, 
you know, my thought or how my thoughts um, map out, uh, you know, in this particular thing. So I'm not sure if I answer that question that, you know, you guys know how my, I, my brain kind of goes all over the place and how I process clay. So clay is absolutely amazing. It's just make sure you use it for the right thing during the right time, <laughs> if that makes sense. So on to the next question, bugs. How do you remove bugs from the front of your car? Multiple, multiple ways. Now I'm going to be funny again like I do um, thought-provoking when I'm uh, giving my little seminars. So I say the number one way, the most let – me, let me be clear. I'm looking into the sky here. I'm trying to think exactly what I say. The most effective, the most effective way to remove bugs from the front of your car, drum roll, is to use a screwdriver and pry them off and scrape them off. And then I look at everybody in the front row and they're like, wait, what? A screwdriver? I said, yeah, grab that screwdriver and just gouge the front of the, just, just gouge the front of that car. And they're like, uh, he's joking. Yes, obviously I'm joking. I'm trying to make your brain to process. The most effective way is with a screwdriver, but it's not very efficient. So uh, the way you want to do it is kick down, kick down a few notches. You're not going to use a screwdriver, obviously. What I like to do is wash the car. While I'm washing the car, on the bottom of my wash bucket, I have a bug sponge. And a bug sponge is basically a sponge, very soft, which remember, we don't use sponge. We use wash mitts and foam guns and all that kind of stuff. But a sponge wrapped in a net. Now, one of the, the old ways or, you know, back in the day before they came up with this brilliant idea is you'd put a stocking around a sponge. And the stocking, the holes, you know, it's like a checker box, you know, X is an X, 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 meaning... I don't know how to say it the right way. I, this is where on camera I'd be able to show you with my hands. But if you take a stocking and you stretch it, if you look real close into it, it looks like an, you know, a horizontal line and a vertical line, a horizontal line, a vertical line. So if you stretch that out and then tie a little, uh, you know, cut the, the stocking, you know, to be one foot or whatever, and then put it around the sponge and then tie it in a knot, those X's and the verticals, basically it acts as a little, like, grinder. Not a grinder, but... Uh, a little bit of an abrasive texture to it. So anyways, that was years ago. And of course, somebody came out with this um, fishnet. That, that's the word I was looking for, this fishnet type quality. Um, and they wrap it around a sponge. And what that happens is as you're pushing the sponge against the the front bumper, um, you know, you're still, you're still relatively soft, but essentially those fishnets are kind of scooping and, and picking up the, the bugs off the front of it. So that, that's how I clean bugs, and it depends on how long they're there. Uh, sometimes I will, so I'll be in the process of washing the car. We'll do two scenarios. This is, this is a good question. Two scenarios. I'll wash, the, the whole entire car needs to be washed. So you wash down the car, da-da-da-da, and it's out of the sun, the whole nine yards, and then I spend an extra couple minutes on the front parts, meaning the, the mirrors, but specifically the front, um, the nose of the car. I'll spend some time on that, and I'll use that bug sponge. Um, and once I'm done, I don't put it back in the bucket because it's kind of grimy, but it starts off in the bucket, and when you're done with it, you clean it off with a hose and then put it back in the bucket. So I'll, I'll spend some time doing that. So that's scenario one. Scenario two um, is, let's say you, you went for a ride and your car's really clean, but you just got a bunch of bugs on the front. Um, for that, I'll lubricate the area with spray wax and... I can still use the bug sponge. I like to put a little bit of um, lubrication on there. It could be soap. Um, it's not going to be the end of the world. If you think about it, if you just wash the front of your car, it takes like 30 seconds. It's not that big of a deal. I, 
I try to use a little spray wax for lubrication, and then I'll use a bit of water and sometimes a bit of soap, depending on the level of, uh, of how many bugs are there. Because so I try not to do the lazy man's way, but I do it sometimes, I admit, um, using spray wax and, and a microfiber towel. But it kind of grinds it into the paint, so it's not it's not the greatest idea. But if you have one or two of them and you just got to get them off, then you got to do what you got to do. But um, a lot of you are probably thinking, "Hey, does he pre-treat them?" Sometimes I pre-treat them with an all-purpose type cleaner. Um, so uh, all-purpose type cleaners are good um, because they're more uh, basic, so they're alkaline, and it's sometimes nice to use an alkaline. Um, you know, cleaner to remove organic stains. So an organic stain is very much a bug because it's alive. So sometimes I'll do that. Basically, it's what's called pre-treating. I'll pre-treat that, let it sit there, let it kind of eat away a little bit, then come back in with my bug sponge and wipe them away. That's the long version of how to clean. Or Actually, that's the short version. Um, but that that's the... That's answering those two questions I got from Facebook. And I apologize. I need to be much better on Facebook, but I get, I'm looking at my emails right now, 195 as of today. So I try to respond to emails, Larry at AmoNYC.com um, from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock every day. So at night, right before I go to bed. So I'm doing my best and I appreciate everybody's uh, uh, support, especially with the drive clean videos. If, um, if you haven't seen them, so I'll do my plugs and we'll get out of here. If you haven't seen them, visit uh, www.youtube.com slash drive. Um, specifically, check out my show along with everybody else's, but my show is called Drive Clean, and you kind of have to scroll down at the bottom, and you can see all of season one, and now we're airing season two, which should be pretty exciting. If you don't know my Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash nyc. Visit me on Instagram at ammo underscore nyc. I'm trying to think what else do I have. Lots of stuff. Got the July 20th party coming out. Hopefully you guys can uh, check that. And I guess that won't be relevant in a couple of days. But uh, nonetheless, shoot me an email if you have any questions. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Once again, AmmoNYC.com. Oh, you know who I forgot? Uh, One of my really good friends, uh, Chris Hayes. Uh, He's the ShoutEngine.com. He's, uh, you know, allowed me to do all this podcasting along with... uh, the Smoking Tire and Hooniverse. Check those guys out. Those guys are awesome. Uh, but it's on the same platform. Uh, I guess it's called the server, but I'm not going to begin to understand uh, you know, all the intricacies of podcasting. But basically, he set me up and said, hey, talking to this microphone, and I set everything up. So he's a genius. He's the man. ShoutEngine.com. Very, very cool. Trying to think of anybody else I can thank. But uh, more importantly, thank you guys for listening, and we'll come back. I have some really good things in the pipeline for uh for interviews in um for the next podcast anyways i will talk to you guys soon thanks for listening i think we should do a musto special that's that's just my own personal